Hello, this is Edie. Before we get started, I wanted to make sure you knew first how much we appreciate you, and that in honor of Teacher Appreciation Week, right now at Heinemann.com, you can get 15% off and free shipping on all Heinemann professional books. This offer runs until May 11th. Head on over after the episode. Some restrictions apply. See the website for details. It's important to say we are humans. And so I think the book's title is just that sort of declaration that we are humans. Yes. We teach and we love teaching and many of us feel called to do it, but we are humans. And that means a lot of beautiful things, but also a lot of complicated things. And so the book really is my exploration of all things beautiful and all things complex that comes with being a human who is teaching in the current times. This is Edie. Welcome back to the Heinemann Podcast. Our guest on the podcast today is author Shamari Reed. His forthcoming book, Humans Who Teach, A Guide for Centering Love, Justice, and Liberation in Schools, is a beautiful anecdotal exploration of self-compassion in a demanding profession. This conversation will give you insight into how those explorations became the foundation for a timely, compact book that guides you through the same work of examining self-care, boundaries, expansion, and love. Before we start, I invite you to sign up for the Heinemann newsletter. We send bi-weekly updates with articles from our blog and podcasts, featuring the latest thought leadership from our authors and even samples from our latest titles. If you'd like to sign up, visit heinemann.com forward slash newsletter. Now, my conversation with Shamari. Thanks for being here. It's so nice to, to be here with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was just thinking back to a conversation we had a little bit ago about your, <laughs> you've written your manuscript. It's, right. it's out of your hands. It's on to the next phase of production. Sure. Congratulations. Thank you. And also, I know you just reread it. Yeah. So um, I would just love to hear a little bit about that, like this moment in time, rereading your manuscript your your writer's journey. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, the reread was a journey of all kinds of emotions and things that I didn't know I would feel. Yeah. And I think partly because when I was writing it, I was rereading it all the time. Mm. I'm someone, I'll write a paragraph, I might stand up, I'll walk around the house, mm-hmm. I'll breathe, and I'll go back and read the paragraph again. Mm-hmm. And then the first thing that comes to me is the start of the new paragraph. Yeah. And so I kind of like reread, extend, reread, extend. And so I thought that I had reread the book mm-hmm. and I knew it. Took some time from it, got the whole manuscript back and started rereading it. And I thought it would just be a quick read. Yeah. And then I went on a journey of all kinds of emotions. And I was like, I'm going to rewrite that. Yeah. I'm going to rewrite that. I'm going to rewrite the entire book. That's, <laughs> yes. So that's why I called my editor. And yeah. I was like, it's time to rewrite the entire book. Oh she was gosh. like, what? No, we're not doing that. <laughs> um, and so it's been one of those journeys for me. I'm very much of an iterative, I think, thinker. Um, if I can go back to something just five minutes later, yeah. I have a whole new idea. Yeah. And I'm always about extending, extending, extending. I think part of that was really me letting go and and getting comfortable with and okay with letting go. Yeah. Knowing that I'll always have more I want to say. Yes. I'll always have more I want to share. But right now what I have said and what I have shared is enough. Yeah. The book. Yep. Humans Who Teach. Let's yes, talk a little yes, bit yes, about yes. that term. I'd love to hear um, 
why you like the term humans who teach, not just teachers, but humans who teach. Sure. So humans who teach just makes sense to the way that I think and the way that I feel and the way that I move Mm -hmm. and the way that I think about the work that we do. Mm -hmm. And so for me as a term, I'm now realizing how different it is Mm because folks have made me aware, Mm -hmm. hey, not everyone uses that term. Yeah. But for me, it has always just made sense. Mm -hmm. And I said many years ago on a Heineman podcast, I was talking with um, Kate and Maggie on the Beyond the Letters and I just was talking organically about some question and I Mm -hmm. said, well, you know, it's human work that we do. Mm. It's work that happens in the hearts and minds of young people mm-hmm. that is informed by our own hearts and minds as people and as humans. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where I begin to articulate the idea. Mm-hmm. However, I've always held close to the idea that we are humans before we are anything else. And I feel like in this particular moment, a lot of my teacher friends are tired mm-hmm. and exhausted and are not feeling like they are allowed the space to be those things. Mm-hmm. They feel shame when they say, hey, I'm tired or mm-hmm. I'm exhausted or parent-teacher conferences were very long today. Not that mm-hmm. they were bad, they were just long, but there isn't a lot of space, I feel, mm-hmm. for for teachers to be human. I think we're expected to be on all the time and we're mm-hmm. expected to be teachers all the time and to give all the time, but I think the reality is we become empty. Yeah. We become dehydrated. Mm-hmm. We need to be restored. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to say we are humans. And so I think the book's title is just that sort of declaration that yes. we are humans. Yes. We teach and we love teaching and yeah. many of us feel called to do it. Mm-hmm. But we are humans. And that means a lot of beautiful things, but also a lot of complicated things. Mm-hmm. And so the book really is my exploration of all things beautiful and all things complex that yes. comes with being a human who is teaching in the current times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what do you think that that sort of sh- like shame of s- sure. or, or feeling a little bit ashamed to say, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Well, what is that rooted in? I know you speak to that sure. in the book, but... I do. Yeah. I, 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 it's, it's, it's social lessons, but in the book I talk about socialization. Mm-hmm. And what I mean there is just all the things that we learn from birth mm-hmm. until you know we're adults yeah. about our society. These are the messages that we receive from... Uh, TV, mm-hmm. uh, from parents, from mm-hmm. other teachers, other institutions. And one of those messages is that we've received is that teachers are just supposed to teach. We are just supposed to do and be everything mm-hmm. for everyone um, all the time, and mm-hmm. especially for our students. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways, I think we are evaluated and or our effectiveness may be even measured mm. based on how much we give yes, to that, young people. Right. And of course we want to be effective, right? Who doesn't want to sort of do their job well? Teachers want to do a great job. And so because we've been taught to believe that doing a great job is going above and beyond all the time, that's what happens. And so I think that's where the message has come from. It comes from other teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes in the form of encouragement and praise. It's not always negative. It's just wow, I really admire how you stayed up late mm-hmm. working on that. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate how you didn't take a lunch break today mm-hmm. so that you yeah. could show up for someone else. And that's also a way, I think, in which we encourage that kind of, I would say, overextension. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the idea of sort of having no real work-life rest integration, mm-hmm. work-life mm-hmm. balance, And so that's what I would say it comes from. And I think it's perpetuated and maintained um, when we continue to neglect the humanity of teachers and talk about them as if they are just robots who can 
implement curricula, who can teach lesson plans on the drop of a dime, right. even when we are in times of crises like we are right now. Yes. Yeah. So as we begin by, I think, first acknowledging yeah. that humanity yeah. um, seems like a vital first step. Sure. sure. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, I think... Or, or, you know, just as an extension, as we as we grow, um, there's this, you know, self-care piece that comes mm -hmm. in. And I think sometimes um, that term can feel a little hollow yeah. right now or another thing to do, That's right. another thing for teachers to do. That's right. So what's your vision sure. of self-care? What's your, <laughs> speak to that. Sure. And I'll tell the story of how I got there. I mean, I love stories, right? Yeah. As anyone who knows, and when you read the book, you'll see there are yes. tons of stories yes. all over the place. <laughs> but there's a story around self-care for me. And I love that you mentioned it being hollow or being perceived as hollow. Mm -hmm. It was hollow for me for a very long time. Mm -hmm. It was something that I thought only meant overindulgence and things that brought me joy or pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so when I would used to mm -hmm. say self-care, it would be like, okay, you had a long day, you taught, mm -hmm. did a lot, you deserve self-care. What did that mean? I would go home, I would bake brownies, or I would mm. bake chocolate. I love to bake, by the way. I love mm. food, which I, which I say in the book, I love yes. food. Yes. And so I would bake, which was fine, and I would eat everything that yeah. was there yeah. to the point where I got sick. Yeah. And I told myself, this is taking care of yourself, though, yeah. because it brings you joy and it brings you you know, great feelings until it doesn't. That's yes. the overindulgence. And it was my therapist Wow, four years ago, mm. who was asking me about my self-care, and I mm. was so excited to say, cookies and brownies. These mm -hmm. things. And she was like, those are great, and I love that you love baking, but overindulgence is not caring for the self. And mm. I was like, but it is. It makes me happy. And she was like, but is it making you well? Mm. And we talked about self-care as being something that contributes to your wellness. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that I was doing in my example actually wasn't healthy. And it wasn't sort of um, leading to me being physically well because I was making myself sick. Mm -hmm. And I was just saying to myself, that's what self-care was. Mm -hmm. That is how I learned about it. When I heard people talk about self-care, it was that kind of overindulgence. Yeah. Now what I understand for me, and I say this across the book, self-care really is about caring for the self. Right. And I talk about that in three different ways, yeah. caring for yourself physically. So your body, mm -hmm. nutrition, sleep, yeah. exercise, stretching, yes. breathing, relaxation, massages, right? Things that your body actually needs to be well. Right. And emotional self-care for me, which is a range of things you can do to make sure that you are well emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, and it's beyond therapy. Yes, yeah. th therapy is great, but there are different kinds of therapy, different forms of therapy, which are not always traditional. Um, it's talking about what it means to sort of take breathing breaks mm -hmm. in which you're not only breathing but you are processing your emotions mm -hmm. taking time to check in with your body mm -hmm. to check in with yourself mm -hmm. and seeing where feelings are showing up mm -hmm. is a kind of self-care and then i talk about spiritual self-care which is not connected at all to religion but more to joy to joy to joy and joy as a thing that fuels us and a thing that sort of i think is so integral to our humanity is yeah. joy and this yeah. connectedness it's what makes us us and so that's how I've been reframing self-care, mm -hmm. which means that it is, sometimes it's it's work, but it's more so how, it's all about how mm -hmm. we are taking care of ourselves. What are the things that we are doing and checking in and saying, are these contributing to my wellness or not? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying all things have to. I still love cookies. Mm -hmm. I still love brownies. Yeah. I still bake. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm always saying, 
am I being my healthiest self? Right. Am I taking care of myself yes. so that I can show up in love for, for myself yes. and everyone else that I'm in relationship with, including young people who are my yeah. students? Yeah, and I, I feel like the some of that work or, or the way I perceive it when I read your book was the the self-examination yeah. a little bit, like taking that step of self-examination right. to right. to understand what care looks like. That's right. And being honest and, yeah, being, and being exactly. vulnerable and yes. sort of reflecting. Mm -hmm. For me, every time I revisit that checking in with self, I discover new things, right? right? I'm like, yeah. oh, here's another thing I need to be physically well that mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of a month ago. Mm -hmm. But to the point you just made, it is about constantly checking in and with checking. yourself yeah. and seeing what do you need to be well? Yeah. And only you know that, right? right? I mean, people can encourage and mm -hmm. offer example, but it's really about when you are still and you've checked in with yourself and you've asked yourself in a, in a space where you feel safe enough, mm -hmm. vulnerable enough to be honest with yourself, here are the things that I actually need physically, the things I need emotionally and spiritually to be well and to lead a life of peace and love and joy because all humans really deserve that, even yeah. those who teach, especially those who teach. Right. Yeah. And I love how you framed that in, you know, the being able you know, with this, being able to show up with love. And so how have you seen that showing up with love in the classroom lead to liberation? That's a great question. I, I love it. it it's uh, so much I could say, but I what know. I will say is, yeah. here's what I will say. Yeah. When I think about love and its role in relationship to liberation mm -hmm. and sort of how it has shown up in schools in ways that feel uh, justice-oriented ways that feel um, that they push us toward the world we all deserve, it comes back to relationships mm -hmm. with yourself and with young people. And when love is present, I would like to believe and I've experienced that it's from that place, that healthier place, that loving place, mm -hmm. that we could actually have healthier relationships. Meaning, and I talked about this a little bit today, yeah. we, I was talking with some other wonderful teachers in a session about the book mm -hmm. and this idea came up of, when we get frustrated, mm. when we get annoyed, when we become angry, and that being the place from which we engage students. And we end up saying and doing things that are not normal for us, yeah. but because in that moment, Gosh, it's we're not, we're just not well. No. We're not okay. Right. And so for me, love of love of self and love of other people means making sure that you are healthy enough and you are well enough so that every relationship and every action flows from mm -hmm. a healthy place and mm -hmm. a loving place. And you can actually see people and see students um, in ways that are not blocked and or filtered by your frustration right. and by your anger, which are valid. Mm -hmm. I, I get it. I get tired too yeah, and right. frustrated mm -hmm. and annoyed. And if I don't check in with myself and don't take care of myself, I will begin to engage with young people from that place. And now I'm bitter. Right. And now I'm, I'm jaded. Mm -hmm. And love just sort of keeps us grounded in that, keeps us hopeful, but also keeps us clear mm -hmm. so that we can see and engage students from a place and that makes sense to our hearts and not a place of of, of, frust of of great frustration and great anger, which will happen if we don't take care of ourselves and we don't make sure we're well. That's yes. what happens to any human. Yeah. We become irritable, yes. on the edge, et cetera, which is nothing to be ashamed about or feel bad about. It's, a play it's an invitation, I think, to check in and say, okay, here's where I yes. am. 
something. I need something. What do I need yes. to take care of myself to make sure that I'm not showing up in this way? Yeah. And you touched upon this a little bit in the beginning of the conversation, but how are teachers doing? How are <laughs> teachers showing up? How are, you know, what is this? Sure. What are you seeing? Sure. And, and I, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's so much. I know. <laughs> I, I, you know what I think? There's a pattern. Mm -hmm. it's, an, it's an unfortunate pattern. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the educators in my life who I know and who I have known for years mm -hmm. and I trust would be honest and vulnerable with me have shared that they are tired. And these are people who love the work yeah. and feel called to the work mm -hmm. and want to do the work in ways that are loving and are effective and contribute and move us closer to this world mm -hmm. ought to be. But they're worn out and they're exhausted. That is what I'm hearing. Yeah. And so in terms of what they need, I, I think it's space to figure out what they need. Yeah. I think it is an invitation to say, let's pause for just a moment and ask yourselves, what do you need mm -hmm. to be well and, yeah. and, and to be rested? Um, but unfortunately, I don't know how often that, yeah. they get invited to check in with themselves. Often they're invited to take on more work and to do more and they're they're being hurried and they're being rushed. Mm -hmm. Do more faster. Mm -hmm. Move through that lesson plan faster. Get them ready for the test faster. And it's like, but we are in a moment right now of various crises. And as humans, we are affected. It's heavy. We carry it in the body and it can show up. Um, and so I think what they would need is space. Mm -hmm. It's space to reflect on what they need mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, and spiritually, as I said earlier. Um, and so that's what I'm hearing a lot of of teachers in my life sort of complain about the lack mm -hmm. of 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 empathy they're they're getting from people outside the profession, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. People who don't understand what the work is that we do, mm -hmm. and who are saying do more, do faster. Um, it's just like that's so um, misguided and misinformed. Yeah. We need to, we need we need the same breaks and the same moments of pause mm -hmm. that everyone else gets, um, or or everyone else is encouraged to do, and we should not feel bad or that we are neglecting our students because we need a moment to breathe. Yes, yeah, you you wish that for teachers, right. don't you? And your book your yeah. book is such an invitation to engage in that. Yeah, um, just a pause. Yeah, just a pause. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love mm -hmm. that. Let's, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey in education. Um, oh, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah where do I start? Yeah. It's, 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 start at the beginning. <laughs> so I will. The beginning, I was not supposed to be a teacher. That yeah. was not the dream yeah. that people had for my life. Mm. Um, everyone wanted something else from me. Yeah. I went with that. And so I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be this heart mm. surgeon because I always wanted to help people. And I thought, I was told, that was the way to help. That was the way to spread kindness and to spread love and to care for folks is to work in medicine. Yeah. And I got this great scholarship uh, in this pre-med program. I was supposed to go to an, into you know med school and I hated it. Mm. It was awful. I, I, I loved the idea that I would be able to sort of help people and impact people's lives. But the day to day. And that's I, a lot of like, schooling to hate. Lot, I was like. <laughs> Can I, am I going to do this really? Yeah. And this really going to be my story? I don't even like the sight of blood. In lab, yeah. when we had to do anything with like, you know, di di dissections, mm. I would run out. I failed my yeah. labs because I wouldn't go. But yeah. Not because I couldn't. I was just like, 
I don't want to touch any of that, and there's blood involved. And so I switched then to sort of business, public relations. Mm -hmm. I was finding myself, trying to figure out, how do I love on people in ways that make sense? And I ended up in public relations, and I remember being in class, and someone came and uh, was talking about some Disney World program. Mm -hmm. Internship at Disney World, this number one PR place, public relations place, come to Disney World and do an internship. And I was like, sure, what do I have to lose? Yeah. And so I go to Disney World and I'm in class learning about something about Disney. And Mickey Mouse comes in, mm-hmm. dressed up, being goofy, being silly. Yeah. And it was so much fun. And so yeah. I got home and it was like, but I had class today. But class was fun. And class was incredible. And I feel really good. I want to be able to create that feeling. For young people. Mm-hmm. I actually want young people to think about schools in that way. Whereas if it's Tuesday night and you have my class on Wednesday, mm-hmm. you cannot sleep because you're so excited. Yeah. Right? Remember the old commercial and the kid was like, I can't sleep because yeah. it's Disney. I wanted that for yeah. schools. <laughs> yeah. And so that pushed me. I was like, I'm going to be a that. teacher. Yeah, right? I, I was like, that, no, I'm yeah. not going to be a doctor. Yeah. I am not going to be a PR professional. Yeah. I could. I'm not going to do advertising. I did that for a day. I did music too and art. I'm not going to do any of those things. I want to be a teacher because not only do I want to create say, these these fun generative spaces, it's a space in which I can do all those things. Mm. I can think about music yes. and art yes. and culture and language. I can dance and I can sing and I can teach. I could do everything that I've ever wanted to do and I can love on young people. And so then that um, moved me into education. And then the question was like, what are you going to teach? And I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Did you grow up multilingual? No. As I, a, okay. Once I decided what I was going to teach, yeah. I then went to learn Spanish. Oh, you did? So, okay, yeah. yeah. I was like Spanish. I then moved to South America. You did? Oh. And I lived in Argentina. Okay, I was wondering where that came in. The, we were yeah. like, where did you get that? Yeah. Yeah, I moved to South America, to Argentina, in a very small town, not, when I was oh, cool. not the capital, because yeah. I knew I went there, I wouldn't speak English. Yeah, right. So I went to a small town, and I just immersed myself and just learning Spanish just like that. And it mm. was really hard, and I spent a lot of days frustrated. Mm. because I couldn't communicate. It really, I think, also helped me become empathetic and to practice empathy, deep empathy, Mm -hmm. for people who end up in spaces and where everything they know no longer serves them. They're being forced to be and show up in a way that doesn't make sense. And so that's how I learned it. Um, And so I lived in Argentina for a little while. Mm -hmm. Then I lived in Uruguay, Dominican Mm -hmm. Republic, Mexico, and Spain. Mm -hmm. And so that was my journey of trying to learn Spanish the best way I could and as many dialects Dialects, yeah. Sure. And it worked. But I became fluent and began using the language then to think about um, how to address issues. And so the first thing I did was sort of worked with folks around citizenship. Um, Like I was like, I want to use this language more than just in the classroom. I want to like change the world again. This came back to why I want to be a doctor. I do want to actually save lives in a way. Yeah. I actually want the world to be better off. Um, so yeah, that was the the journey to and through education. And then I became frustrated as a teacher because I kept being told I couldn't do this and I couldn't mm, do that. Yeah. And I had all these wonderful, innovative ideas. Mm-hmm. I was like, but what if we did this and took a field trip here? And I would always hear from administration, no, mm-hmm. that's not what the research says. No, that's not what you know, the people who study this say. No, we don't have any theories about that. And so then I remember asking the principal, well, who's doing the research and and who are these scholars and theories? Yeah. They're like, oh, academics. And I was like, I'm going to be one of those. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, what is he talking about? And so then I left the classroom yeah. to go back to school yeah. to get the credentials so that I could then write stuff yeah. and say, here's the theory. Yes. 
we can do the fun thing. We can talk about love. Yeah. We can talk about yes. emotion in a school space. Yeah. And we should be talking about that. That's a part of what it means to be humans. And everyone in the school is human. Kids, staff, faculty, mm-hmm. et cetera. We are all human. And so we cannot leave our humanity outside these school walls. So great to share this space with you. Thank you, Shamari. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. For a full transcript and to learn more, please visit blog.heinemann.com. Mm-hmm.